We believe God has called us to a season of prayer and fasting. And um, next week, next Sunday, that will begin. And uh, so I want to not only equip you for that, but I want to give you some reasons why we believe God is calling us as a church and each of us as individuals into a little deeper spiritual um, commitment. So fasting is probably something you, you may not be um, super familiar with. It's, it, it's probably not in your regular routine. I want to encourage you to um, consider making it more normal in your spiritual journey. Maybe not a 21-day fast, maybe a one-day or a couple-of-day fast to, uh, to commit some time to Jesus, to speak to you and to tell Him, I am listening. And nothing else in my life, not even my food, matters more than what you have to say to me. So that little guide I gave to you, you can kind of put that away for just a moment. We'll, we'll pick that up in a, in a minute. I want us to start with the Word of God, and I want to let this be a primer for us um, why, why we need to fast. If I ask you that question, if I ask you why should you fast, I wonder what you would say. And what I want to do today is give you some answers to that question from God's Word. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20 tells a story, a phenomenal story in the season or in the life of Israel and um, King Jehoshaphat is the king at this period, at this time. And um, things are going well, and then all of a sudden things are not going well. And as soon as problems come, he responds in the same way that we should. Not just when problems come, but... Um, well, I want us to just read this text, and then I'm going to quickly walk through um, just four... Four truths that we need to realize. So would you stand with me from and read with me from Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll just begin at the beginning. Going to read a, a, a lengthy chunk of this, okay? About uh, the first um, 24 or so verses, okay? <clears throat> Word of the Lord says this. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with some of them, uh, some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Do you see that? And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You see that like three times in that little section right there. It says, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. They came to seek the Lord, to seek the Lord. In verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? 
And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house. And we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, the Levite, of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And tomorrow you go down against them. Behold, they will, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. On your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they, they followed his lead and they fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and they went out in the, into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophet, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord. And praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men from of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies laying on the ground. None had escaped. 
When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods and clothing and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil, for it was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore they named the place that has been has been called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Lord Jesus, from this text, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see two realities today. One, we are at war. And two, we desperately need you. God, with these two realities, I pray that you press us into this season of fasting and prayer uh, with a sober mindset. That we desperately need you. And that there's a war raging all around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want to encourage you to spend more time in this text this week. If I could exhort you uh, as a family, I would say take your personal time this week and read this chapter every day. And ask the Lord to show you some things that are not just descriptives of what happened historically, but prescriptives of how we are to fight the battles that God has given us. If I could exhort you, I'd say spend time in this text and God will open your eyes to how we, we fight as warriors, not weaklings, for the sake of the gospel. So I just want to give you four things today. I'm, I'm going to walk through this quickly because I have some practical teaching on the back end about fasting that I, that I really think will be helpful But I don't want to miss what God wants to say to us in this text, okay? So the first thing is this. Be aware of the enemy. Be aware. We have an enemy. The Apostle Peter says it like this. He says, be sober-minded, be alert, and know that... There's a lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy. We have to be aware of this enemy. In in verse 2, some of the men came to King Jehoshaphat and they said, Oh King, there's a mighty, mighty army coming. And there are way more of them than there are of us. And Jehoshaphat knew it immediately. And he says we are powerless against this enemy. That's a sobering reality. And I want us to recognize today we have an enemy. And he's not resting. He's not sleeping. You know, Peter says, be alert, be sober minded. And so those two cautions, the reason he warns us in that way is because you know what our tendency is to be asleep. To be intoxicated on the stuff of this world. To be so caught up. You know, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and he says, 
He says, don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Like, be a good soldier. Don't, don't get entangled in all the stuff of being a civilian. You're not a civilian, is what he's saying. You're a soldier. Soldiers don't get entangled in civilian stuff. And Peter's saying, don't fall asleep. We're at war. And this is one thing I think, church, we, not just we, but the church at large, thinks we're at peace. Like, we think... That we are at peace. This country has been at war a, a lot of times. And it seems these days we're constantly at war. But it seems to me that the war is so far removed from us that we don't have a wartime mentality like they used to. Um, I've read, I, I wasn't there for it, but I've read about wartime mentality where um, everything was rationed. Like rubber. You, you can't buy new tires because they need rubber for materials for war. You can't use metal in these ways because we got to have metal to make weapons and to get stuff on the ships. We, we can't do this. You, you need to they ration fuel. They ration bread. They ration water. All these things are rationed. Why? Because we know we're at war and we need these things for battle. There's a whole different mentality in peacetime, right? People take all the stuff and they use it for their comforts and they use it for you know making life a little easier a little better a little more casual that's peace wartime and peacetime mentality is so different and the the scriptures would say to us you're at war you have an enemy and he's not asleep and he is constantly working to advance his his agenda and we are not civilians in this war We are soldiers and we have an enemy and we need a wartime mentality. John Piper, one of my favorite authors, talks about prayer in this context. And he says, and I love this, he says, prayer is not your intercom to to buzz the next room and ask for more comforts in the den. Hey, we need a little more coffee, a little more tea. How about a pillow for this, some popcorn for this movie we're watching? That's not prayer. Prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie from the the, uh, foxhole where you call in to the commander. We're being slaughtered down here. We need help. Prayer is your wartime walkie-talkie, not your intercom from the living room that you call for more comfort. And as we move into a season of fasting and prayer, we need to know we are at war and we have an enemy. Secondly, we must declare our dependency on God. I look at King Jehoshaphat and the first thing that comes out of his mouth, it seems like he sets his face to seek the Lord. He proclaims a fast. Like, when do you fast? Well, this is a great time, right? When you're, at, when you're at war and there's a reality you could lose. This enemy is serious. He proclaims a fast throughout all Judah. He says, no one eats. It's more important we have the help of God than we eat. And all Judah assembled... To seek help from the Lord. And Jehoshaphat says, I want you to look back at, the, at your Bible in verse 12. He says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this enemy. We are powerless. 
And then back in verse 6, though, he says this. He says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and all the nations, and in your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. So you have this, this great contrast between us powerless, you powerful. We are powerless, you are powerful. And that's what we must do. We must declare our great dependency on our great God. We must be humble and depend on Him. Third thing is we cry out for help. These are just simple things from this text. I'm just learning from Jehoshaphat. Here's what he does. He proclaims a fast and all Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. Again, they're in their foxholes. All of a sudden, their peacetime mentality is wrecked and they realize we're about to be slaughtered if God doesn't intervene. I think the church of Jesus Christ today needs a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call. We need somebody to come in and go, do you not see there's an enemy advancing on you? We must cry out to God for help. This is what prayer is for. This is why we pray. It's not just, Lord, help us to stay healthy and wealthy and happy. Those are not bad prayers, but they're peacetime prayers. And we're at war. Lord, we want to win this battle. It's your namesake that's on the line. And we're praying, God, for your own glory that you advance your kingdom in the darkness. We want to see light press on. We want to see light invade darkness. God, for your namesake, will you do this? That's the way wartime people pray. Do you pray like that? Do you pray for God to do incredible things? We must cry out for help. The last thing I want to see, I want us to look at in this text is we must worship, believe, and obey. I just lumped all these three in together because they seem to just kind of roll all together in, the, in this text. We, uh, when, when Jehoshaphat hears the word from the Lord, um, he hears from a prophet who kind of raise, rises up. I, I love that um, uh, verse 13 paints this picture. It says that all Judah stood before the Lord. Do you, did you see how kind of their world stopped? And all Judah, they know there's an army coming. And he proclaims a fast and just everything stops. And the men, the women, even the children and the babies, they're all gathered together. Everybody's there. It says they stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. That's, that's how big a deal this is. Nobody's excluded from the fact that we need God to intervene. God, rescue. We need you. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel and he says this word from God. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head, his face to the ground. This is verse 18. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. Then the Levites, the Kohites, the Korahites, they stood up to praise the Lord. 
Like nothing's happened yet. Why would you worship just based on a prophecy, a word speak, spoken, a man who says, God's going to fight this battle for us. Don't be afraid. Don't dismay. God's going to win. There's still an army marching in your direction. And you stand up and worship and praise. Why do you do that? It's because you believe. Worship equals faith. When you're at war, worship equals faith. I want to ask you, 9 a.m. service, this little cluster of people, do you believe what I'm saying to you? I mean it. Do you believe what I'm saying to you? You can answer that. Do you believe me? Do you believe that we're at war? Do you believe there's an enemy on the advance wanting to conquer, wanting to take us out? Do you believe it? Jesus said he's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy. It's not peacetime here. It's not playtime. Let's bring in the babies and the children and let's stand before our God. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. Not even feed our babies until you rescue. This is how desperate it is. They worship because they believe. And they stand in praise and they believe. Jehoshaphat stood and he said to them, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen to his command. This is a command. It's an imperative from the king. This is great leadership, by the way. Jehoshaphat says, Hear me. Here's his command. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. He says it again. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Worship. Believe. And then what's next? They obey. They obey. God told them, I want you to raise up. I want you to go down to the battle and you will see me win. This is not passive victory on our part. We're not the war. We're not we're not winning here. I mean, we're not. uh, Let me say it this way. We are beneficiaries of a great victor. His name is Jesus. All right. His name is Jesus. We're the beneficiaries, but God is calling us to come and watch the battle happen. We worship, we believe, we obey. We, we rise up, we do whatever he says to do. And this is why I'm telling you God is calling us into a season of fasting and prayer. Because I believe we're at war. I believe God wants us to see the victory. But are we going to do like they did in this day? Are are we going to come before him and stand and say, God, we are powerless against this enemy. You are powerful. None can stand against you. But will you not? Will you not for your name's sake win the victory? I want us to learn to pray like this. Not these weak peacetime prayers. I want us to Fall on our faces before God and pray like this. When we do, what was our valley of battle becomes a valley of blessing. 
What's amazing to me is at the end of this story, what you discover and what you see is that these guys, they come to the battle and they watch God's victory. And then what it's, it takes them three days to pick up all the stuff that they get to take home with them from a battle they didn't even fight. This is the blessing of a believer who trusts in Jesus Christ. God wants to bless his kingdom. And I'm not preaching health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not the message here. Trust me. God has much greater blessings for us than money and all that stuff that's temporary. God wants to give us a place in His kingdom. God wants to give us Himself. God is the goodness of the gospel. Not stuff of this world. We must be aware of an enemy. Depend on God. Cry out for help. Worship, believe, and obey His voice. So let me give you some practical teaching points about prayer and fasting. I gave you a handout. I'd like for you to look at it. I think it'll be helpful. I hope it will be helpful. Next week, as we begin, if you're new to fasting, this little guide, I think, will be helpful for you. I want to encourage you to set some goals. Set a goal, okay? Um, We just talked about uh, a few things, but I want to give you um, these things I've put together for us. We need to declare our dependence on God. Okay, so be desperate for Him over everything else. Give Him the first of this year. Like, this is a first fruits offering, Lord. We're giving you this time. Blocking it all out because you matter and we're at war. We declare our dependence on Him. And then, this is huge. Don't neglect this. Um, we'll talk about this next week. We're going we're gonna to pray through the Psalm 139 where David prays, Search me, O God, and know my deepest thoughts. And so ask for forgiveness. Confess your struggles. Beg for mercy. Walk in grace. I think those are great realities. We We confess our weaknesses, our struggles, our sins. We acknowledge before a holy God that we are sinners. And we cling to his promise in 1 John 1, 9, where he says, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So ask for forgiveness, beg for his mercy. And I think that's the right word there. Beg for mercy and then walk in grace. Next thing, refocus on the eternal This is one of the things about fasting is it helps you reprioritize the things you think are important. Like, hey, eating, that matters, right? Meals matter. This helps you go, you know what? Meals matter, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I need not just physical bread. I need the living bread of God. I need Jesus and I need his word. So refocus on the eternal. One good question for me is this. What's going to matter in 50 years? Focus your attention on that. What's going to matter in 50 years? That, when we say eternal, I think maybe it's a little further out than we can realize. Well, in 50 years, I'll probably be dead. Okay. So, but I'm thinking about what's going to matter when I'm gone. And I want to live for that. I want to focus my mind today on that. Live for the eternal. Not just like, okay, what am I going to do today? And how am I going to pay my bills? And those things matter. I don't want you to neglect that. But focus and prioritize 
on the eternal. Think about God's agenda. That's the way Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God's agenda first. Then pull in close to God. It's all about relationships. Let's talk to Him. um, Press in and listen to Him. Uh, Lastly here, believe God for answers to specific needs. Believe God for answers to some specific things. So journal, write down some things. I could show you, I brought it up here, but I'm not going to do this today. I could show you in this little prayer journal the ways that God has answered. I mean, I could just show you how I've written prayers and then underneath it had the joy of saying, God, thank you. Thank you for saving him. Thank you, Lord, for providing that. Thank you, Lord, for... um, for redirecting my focus because I prayed for that and you said no and you gave this instead and that was the what, what you had in mind and look, you knew better. Th- these types of things, you, when you pray specifically, you see God answer specifically and it gives you specific praise, not general praise. Second thing, expect results. Expect results. There's nothing else you do in this life that you don't expect results for. You go and work a job And you expect at the end of the day that you've accomplished some things. Prayer is no different. Listen, if prayer doesn't do things, we should stop it. Do you believe prayer matters? I'll tell you whether you do or not. Here's the answer. How much time do you spend doing it? If prayer doesn't do things, let's just quit. Expect results. And you can read in Isaiah 58, that's the reference here. It's it's God's prescription for fasting. But three things that come out of that passage is that God um, says, if you'll fast in these ways, you'll experience healing and we're not necessarily talking physical but we are sure we're talking physical but it's things to be restored thinking about your marriage or your um, uh, your life or you just need healing whatever it may be you'll you'll be healed the next thing is your holiness or righteousness it'll get you back on track maybe you've been off track God wants to get you back on track and if you fast and pray you press into what matters most one of the results God promises is your own personal holiness and I'm going to tell you that's my goal for you for us as a church is you personally to care about your personal holiness and then the third thing is God says, when you cry out for help, I will answer. Those are from Isaiah 58. I encourage you to read that chapter as well. Now lastly, this is where it gets very practical. I'm going to walk through these quickly. If you're not frequent to fasting, this is new to you, this this section will be very helpful. So as we begin, I want you to decide on a type of fast. Um, if you've never run a marathon, a 26-mile marathon, you may not want to like start that tomorrow, okay? Because um, it may just kill you, literally. All right, so a 21-day water-only fast might kill you. Like, you might not make it through it. So if you're not experienced in some fasting, you might want to select from this list and, and, and ease in a little bit. Now, I'm not saying take the easy way out. Okay, don't hear me say that. Buckle down and push yourself, okay? 
And let me say this too. Fasting is about food, primarily. It's about depriving this thing, your physical body, in order to fill up your spiritual self. So don't just say, well, I think I'm going to fast from social media. That's one thing I'm going to do. But it's not the only thing. I do intend to cut food because I want my body to feel need. When hunger arises, rather than pacify it with the next meal, I'm going to get on my knees and say, God, I'm hungry. But I need you more than I need a meal today. That will teach you some things. And I want to encourage you to do that, even if it's just one meal a day. If you can just say, you know what, I'm going to cut out dinner. I'm going to, I probably, I'm not good at this. I don't know anything about fasting, so I'm just going to fast. I'm going to to eat a little bit of breakfast. I'm going to have a decent lunch. And then I'm not going to have dinner. I'm going to go home, and rather than eat, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Maybe that's you. Or maybe it's, I'm going to fast breakfast. Instead of eating breakfast, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get by myself. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever time it may be. I'm going to get with God because He matters more than anything. Whatever it may be. Here's some options for you. There's a complete fast. That's where you drink just liquids and cut out all your meal, all your meals. There's a selective fast, which is uh, where you cut certain elements from your diet. Maybe you cut, cut everything but just vegetables and fruit. That's, that's a good option. Um, you'll definitely feel that. Um, some people do juices and that sort of thing. There's a partial fast, which is uh, something that the, it's a Jewish fast. Sometimes it's called a Daniel fast. And it works a little different way. But it's basically what I just described to you. It's where you, you decide I'm not going to eat between these hours. And um, that doesn't mean on the backside of that you, you binge eat, okay? So moderation. But the whole thing is about... Pressing in, and then the last one is a soul fast. And so, this is an option for you if you if you're diabetic or you have some health issues that you say, I just can't cut out all my food. You know, whatever it may be, like serious issues, then you can, like I said, cut social media, cut television, cut, you know, whatever those things are. And I encourage you to do both. Right, cut out the garbage, and then cut out a meal or two meals a day. Maybe have one meal a day. Just eat lunch. Fast breakfast and dinner. Something like that. I'm going to give you a bunch of options, okay? Choose one for yourself. Keep it to yourself. Don't tell your right hand what your left hand's doing kind of a deal. And press into your desperate need for God. Remember this. We're at war. We depend on God. We're crying out for help. Foxhole, walkie-talkie kind of help. And we're going to worship, believe, and obey Him. 